The following audio is from North Pine Baptist Church. We trust that this recording will help you learn more about God and His message for the world. For more information and to connect with us, visit npbc.org.au. Good morning, church. Uh, Let's begin by reading God's Word together. Uh, If you don't have your own Bible... Uh, Hopefully you'll be able to follow along with the words. Uh, They'll hopefully come up on the screen. Okay. Starting from Revelation chapter 22, verses 1 to 17. So Revelation 22, 1 to 17. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Also, on either side of the river, the tree of life, with twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. And night will be no more. There will be no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. And he said to them, These words are trustworthy and true. And the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. And behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. But he said to me, you must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers of prophets and with those who keep the words of this book. Worship God. And he said to me, Do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. Let the evildoer still do evil, and the filthy still be filthy, and the righteous still do right, and the holy still be holy. Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me, to repay each one for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes, so that they may have the right to the tree of life, and that they may enter the city by the gates. Outside are the dogs and sorcerers and the sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty, come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, open our eyes to see 
and our ears to hear what you would have us to learn today from your word. May we seek to apply what we learn in order to worship and glorify you in each of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have you ever watched a scary movie? One of them that really terrifies you. I know that. I've done that. Uh, What about you? Can you remember it? Uh, Perhaps it was one of those movies about the apocalypse, the end of the world. Or maybe it was something like Terminator, Judgment Day. Or I Am Legend. I've watched both of these. I didn't cry. Now, did you watch these scary movies right to the very end? Perhaps like me, you may have hit the mute button uh, because it may have been just a little bit too scary. Or have you even fast-forwarded just to get through that scary bit? Um, Or did you, like some of my kids do, close their eyes just to get through that bit? Well, sometimes when I watch movies with Evie, my youngest three-year-old daughter, we'd come to a part that would really scare her. I didn't deliberately put that movie on. It was just, it came to that part. Um, and she would suddenly come over to me, sneak up really close, sit really close to me, so close, she'd hold my hand, or she'd just really want to keep touching me, which I love most of the time. And that's when I'd pause it. I'd pause it right there in the middle of that movie in the middle of that scary section. And I'd say to Evie, I'd say something like this. I know it's scary. Things don't look good at the moment. But you know what? It's going to be all right. It's all going to work out in the end. You see, life can be a bit scary at times as well. When the Apostle John was writing the book of Revelation... Things would have been pretty grim. Followers of Jesus were being persecuted by the Romans. Some were killed for their faith. John himself was exiled to the island of Patmos. And even today, as you know right now, things are scary at the moment. We live in a world with fear and uncertainty, but with bushfires, with droughts compulsory mask wearing at times, limitations placed on our movements, people afraid of dying, riots in America, bizarre presidential races. It's a scary time. However, the words here in Revelation are like hitting the pause button. It's like hitting the pause button on life. They help you to focus on what is of utmost importance the highest priority. Here we find wonderful words from a loving, all-knowing, all-powerful, heavenly Father who's giving encouragement to his children. It's all going to work out in the end. Here we also, though, find words of warning that those not named in the Lamb's Book of Life, the judgment is coming. So, Let me start with the first of two points that I'm going to talk to you about today. 
here's point number one. Jesus is coming soon. Let me say it again. Jesus is coming soon. Have a read with me verses 6 and 7. And he said to me, These words are trustworthy and true. And the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. And behold, I, that's Jesus, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. So Jesus is coming, and he is coming soon. Now before we look at this verse in a bit more detail, let's look and notice that the concluding section of Revelation 22 is it's very similar to the opening of Revelation. So Revelation 1 and Revelation 22. Let me read the start of Revelation to you. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who testifies to everything he saw. That is, the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it, because the time is near. So do you see the resemblance? The start and the finish of the book tie in together. So let's look at verse 7 in Revelation 22. It says, Jesus is coming back soon. Now these words of Jesus' return would have been of great comfort to both John and those believers who were facing persecution. There were followers of Jesus who were being martyred for their faith. And you see, knowing that Jesus was going to come back soon, that he was going to come back to judge the world, raise the dead, to make all things new. This would help them to endure that suffering. It would help them to have that right attitude that they would be able to go through those tough times. It would encourage them to be bold. It would encourage them not to shrink back from living lives that reflected Jesus' love for them. And just like the believers in the church in Ephesus, I don't know if you remember in early in Revelation, the, the churches, there was a writing to the churches, the seven churches, and Jesus says to the church in Ephesus in Revelation 2.3, You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. I wonder if this would be said of you or of me. Are we living with eager expectation of Jesus' return? Are we enduring the hardships that we're going through without grumbling or complaining? Are we eager to see Jesus' face? Or are the burdens of life and the worries of this world getting you down at the moment? Are they making you weary, scared? Are we keeping the words of the prophecy of this book? For by doing this, we'll be blessed. We'll be rewarded with entrance into the glorious city. We'll have access to the throne of God and of the Lamb. You'll be able to see his face. You'll be able to worship him forever. And you know what? You can be assured of this. For all of Jesus' words are trustworthy and true. They're not made up. For the one who said it is the author of truth. But 
been almost 2,000 years since those words were recorded by John. And Jesus not yet appeared. So how are we to understand this word soon? I am coming back soon. You see, there's a variety of interpretations that are offered by theologians and commentators. I don't want to be diverted by this this morning, but I just want to offer a couple suggestions. Firstly, in Mark 13, 32, it says, But concerning that day or that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. And secondly, God's idea of soon and our idea of soon may not be exactly the same. You see, God is a God of incredible patience. For in 2 Peter verse 2 Peter 3 verse 8 onwards, we read this. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. So do not be fooled by anyone who tells you that they know when Jesus will return. They don't. But also, don't be fooled into complacency. You see, in Mark 13, 33, it says, Be on guard. Keep awake. For you do not know when the time will come. For the time is short, and we are encouraged to live accordingly. You see, it's a bit like buying a cheap item off eBay. And just after you've clicked that commit to buy button, you realize, uh oh, it's coming from China, unregistered mail. Expected date of arrival is somewhere between June and September. But nevertheless, what do you do? You go out to the mailbox each day, you check your front door, just in case. Because you've got that hope. Today might just be that day. So, are we awake? Are we on guard? Are we checking our front doorstep? Are we living a life that reflects that Jesus said he will come back? Are we living holy and godly lives as we look forward to the day of God and speed it's coming? And just like we're eagerly waiting for life to return back to pre-COVID normal, we should be more eagerly awaiting his return making deliberate choices as to how we spend the time that we have, the priorities that we've got in our life. In 2 Peter 3.14 it says, So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to his return, that's Jesus' return, make every effort to be found spotless, to be found blameless, and to be at peace with him. Are we making this kind of effort? Are we at peace with him? 
You see, for Christians, for Christians, the greater confidence that we have that Jesus will return soon, the more courageous our life will be. How is your your courage? How is your confidence? And while we wait for Jesus' return, we're encouraged to spend our time in praise, to worship God in all that we do, and to tell others about him. So this is my second point. My last point. Point number two, worship him. Have a read with me in verses 8 and 9. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. But he said to me, you must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers and prophets and with those who keep the words of this book. Worship God. You see, after receiving these amazing visions of the future, John's response was, and I guess you saw an angel in front of you saying these things, would be to fall down and worship. Which is a perfectly natural, understandable reaction to an experience like this. And it's not the first time it's happened to John. However, John is immediately corrected by the angel for doing so. He's told off. He's done the wrong thing. And why is this? Well, because you see, John was worshipping something created the angel, rather than the creator. He was giving praise to the messenger and not the holy God who sent the vision in the first place. And the angel rightly responds, you must not do that. For angels are fellow servants of God, just like the prophets of the Old and New Testaments were servants of God, and just like John and all who believe are. And John was told instead to worship the only true God, the one who is deserving of worship. You see, it's a bit like receiving a, a parcel, a, a present from the queen. I don't know if that's happened to you, but uh, when the present's delivered to you, it'll be a bit like you honouring the gift rather than the actual giver. You see, as humans, we have this tendency, this tendency to worship the things around us, the things that are created rather than the creator. I know it's true in my life. I've done that many times and had to seek forgiveness. However, God is the one we must please above all things. And he is the only one truly worthy. He's truly worthy of glory and honor and praise. So let's fix our gaze on him. You see, essentially, it all boils down to the fact that there are only two types of people in this world. There are two possible identities. As we read in verse 11, let the evildoer still do evil, the filthy still be filthy, and the righteous still do right, and the holy still be holy. And in verse 14, blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life, that they may enter the city by the gates. Outside of the dogs and sorcerers and the sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsely. You see, there's two types of people. There's two identities. Those who are in Christ and those who are not. The evildoer versus the righteous and holy. There are those inside the city 
and those outside the city. There are those who worship God and those who worship anything but God. But since God is the Lord of all, he will not allow praise and adulation, which is what he rightly deserves, go to another. Nothing can match him. Do you remember what happened to King Herod in Acts 12? I don't know if you've read that, if you remember it. In Acts 12, 21, it says, On the appointed day, King Herod was wearing his royal robes. He sat on his throne and delivered a public address to the people. They shouted, This is the voice of a God, not of a man. Immediately, because Herod did not give praise to God, an angel of the Lord struck him down. He was eaten by worms and died. You see, when the people around Herod were praising him and claiming he was a deity, that he was on the same level as God himself, and he didn't correct the people, what happened? God struck him down. God is a jealous God. He will not share his glory with another. And nothing in all creation compares to him. But here in Revelation, the angel does the right thing. The angel quickly redirects John's praise. And he directs John's praise to God, the eternal and everlasting God who made all things. Now, you might be wondering, what is worship? What, what is that? We're called to worship him. Tim Keller states, worship is obedient action motivated by the beauty of who God is in himself. Let me say it again. Worship is obedient action motivated by the beauty of who God is in himself. You see, worship is also the primary attitude, it's the primary activity and ministry of every Christian. Everything else is secondary. And it requires sacrifice. It requires sacrifice to concentrate, consecrate our lives wholly to the Lord as his willing subjects. It means to agree to lose our rights, to lay down ourselves, to pick up the cross daily and to follow him. For what is the chief end of man? Is it not to glorify God and enjoy him forever? You see, worship is saying to God that he is our first love and that we are totally committed, body and soul, to pleasing him. And this invitation to worship God is not just for us, not just for you and me, it's for all believers. It's extended to everyone. In verse 17 it says, And let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take from the water of life without price. So here is an invitation to come and worship God and be with him forever. It's a free gift. It comes without cost and it comes to those who are thirsty. And since Jesus has paid that price through his death on the cross, and although there are many things that may make us unsatisfied about the world, the world right now, Jesus says in John 6.35, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. And whoever believes in me shall never thirst. So is your thirst satisfied in Jesus? 
Or are you attempting to satisfy your thirst with lesser things, with things of this world? Now, 2020 was an odd year, wasn't it? It's a strange year. Maybe it was a year of disappointment. Maybe it was a year of fear. Maybe it was a year of loneliness. And judging from the first few weeks that we've had so far, when we're in lockdown in Tasmania, because Queensland was in lockdown, and we've just come from Queensland, maybe 2021 may not be much better. Don't know. But if you were a follower of Jesus, if you were a follower of Jesus, perhaps Revelation 22 will help you press the pause button. Help you press the pause button on your life right now and to remind yourself, what is the highest priority? And you know what? When you do that and you put God first, it's going to be all right. His words are trustworthy and true. And then maybe press, you know, the reset button. Hopefully there's a button like that on your remote. Realign your priorities. Realign your priorities for 2021. Worship God. Put him first. For Jesus is coming soon. But not forget to pray. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Thank you for your word, the Bible. Thank you that you are indeed coming soon. Enable us to love you with all our heart. Help us worship you in all that we do. Help us put you as our first priority. May we warn others to turn to you for forgiveness and salvation. Help us to be a good witness for you, to live godly lives as we eagerly await Jesus' return. In his name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this audio from North Pine Baptist Church. For more information and to connect with us, visit npbc.org.au.